God's design for family and family life uh, is, is attacked, you know, first in the definition of marriage, then in the definition of identity in male and, and female, and it, it won't stop there. Churches are, are bringing a drag queen forward and saying, maybe you were born this way. Maybe this is God's desire for you and, and, and this is who I am. Very damaging, you know, very coercive, very abusive. You know, I would say that professionally. The lack of, of integration of uh, spiritual principles, um, Christian principles within the context of uh, counseling, even for those who call themselves Christian counselors. That kind of desire and that kind of work began in the church and it will end with the church. Uh, and so when people need help, you know, with uh, same-sex attraction, addiction, their marriage, you know, a depression, whatever, they need to go that way. What I love about this concept and theme of humility and honor is when we have been just living into full out pride, when we have been living into pleasing ourselves and getting whatever it is that we need and filling up our emptiness in ways that God never designed us to, that can give us windows of opportunity to recognize God's call, to recognize there's gotta be more to life than this. There's gotta be more to life than just one more pride parade. There's gotta be more to life than demanding that people bow to my identity. There's got to be something more for what I was created for. Everybody, thank you so much for joining us for uh, for our podcast, for the Love and Truth Network podcast, and we are so excited for you to be here and really enjoying these opportunities to share with you and uh, communicate uh, really what the Lord has laid on our heart. We're super happy to have uh, Richard Hoffman. Uh, Richard is a friend uh, of the ministry, friend of mine, and uh, really excited for him to share with you. And he'll unpack his credentials and kind of what he does here in just a few minutes. But Richard, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Gary. It's great to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it was funny yesterday, just to keep it real, uh, Richard and I had uh, a meeting scheduled to do this very same interview. And three times in a row, uh, once we got started, my laptop crashed and uh, crashed off the internet. And so we we restarted a second time, restarted a third time, and finally it's like, okay, forget it. Uh, we're just going to try to figure out what's going on. Of course, my assistant, Jeremiah, you know, uh, saved the day, came to the team, came to my rescue. And I had a couple of other interviews, but we had to postpone so we're doing this today. Uh, and again, excited for you to be here, Richard. I was thinking back on when you and I met, and of course, it was through the United Methodist Church. It was, uh, I had just come on staff at Transforming Congregations. My friend and counterpart, Karen Booth, uh, who had, uh, I should say predecessor, who had been overseeing Transforming Congregations, which is a renewal ministry within the United Methodist Church, and now um, part of uh, the WCA uh, renewal and part of um, you know, hopefully moving forward, will be part of the uh, renewal uh, or um, blessing, I guess, of the of the global Methodist Church. And um, 
But uh, Karen, um, again, is my predecessor. When she left, I jumped in in 2016. And right in the beginning, I think it was hired in February 2016. And then within a couple of months, we had the uh, the global conference, the general conference for the WCA or the uh, uh, the UMC. Sorry. And, um, hmm. and that happens every four years. Of course, you know that, but maybe not everyone else does. But every four years, uh, the global United Methodist Church comes together and, and has uh, makes decisions votes on a variety of things, has delegates from all around the world uh, making decisions on behalf of this global uh, movement, this global denomination. And so I was there, um, talk about a baptism by fire, not knowing that much about uh, the United Methodist Church prior to that time, and two weeks of, um, of conference. I mean, really uh, amazing that it, it stretches out that long, but we had uh, committee meetings, of course, and you were a delegate at that conference. And I just remember not knowing you at all, but sitting back and you were in the midst of, um, uh, you had a, there were a couple of people that were Orthodox within the, um, a few within the committee and then, you know, of the broader delegates, obviously a lot of them, but you really stood up in the face of a lot of opposition and you just did it with such, um, uh, grace, uh, but truth. And, and, you know, you were going to communicate what the, the truth of God's word with love and compassion, but doing it firmly. And I was just amazed at how you handled yourself, uh, in the committees and also um, in the general session as well. And so we became fast friends. I kind of stalked you until we had lunch. And and uh, ever since then, we've been connected. And I know our ministry has done a little bit of stuff with, uh, with your counseling organization and um, just have been blessed at this mutual... Um, you know, the way that uh, we mutually have encouraged uh, each other and love to see what God is doing in your practice and in your life. So again, Richard, thanks so much Thank for you. being here. Yeah, it's great to be here, and uh, I remember 2016 and, and meeting you there. Uh, you know, we're trained to be not nice, but uh, kind and truthful. Yes, uh, or kind and honest. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, so, I, I was uh, originally elected to General Conference in 2008, and uh, mentored and trained uh, to represent uh, biblical truth. Uh, traditional teaching within the church and re- and reform the church. Uh, at the time that I was getting in, there'd been people there for uh, a, a generation uh, fighting uh, to uh, keep the church uh, uh, to hold to the teachings and, and with mm-hmm. integrity and stay together. Now, you know, in, in all those times, uh, you know, we were able to hold things together. Now, you know, things are going to split. Uh, right. But uh, it was it was a great opportunity, but very contentious. Uh, people were yes. very angry. And like you hear all over the place, if you disagree w- with the position of, uh, of the activists, uh, and there were activists from all over the world there, yeah. they would believe that you hated them. And they would uh, point to you and uh, threaten people at, at sometimes. I, you know, I was never mm-hmm. personally threatened, uh, but definitely felt uh, pressure. I remember one of those committee meetings, and these would be rooms of like 200 people. There'd be a gallery in the back of, of observers, and then there'd be the officials. And it got so stressful. And, and, and we met for a couple of days before you'd go into the big grand meeting. Yes. But it got so stressful there that they had to carry two people out of that meeting and take them to the hospital because uh, they, just, they just couldn't take the pressure after a while. Yep. And, and so there's a lot of people in the church that don't really associate that with discipleship uh, or serving. 
And uh, I was recruited because I was a counselor and clinically trained. And I also knew the Bible. I was I was biblically trained. Yes. And so, you know, I was all the way out in Portland from from Greensburg, Pennsylvania. <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. that's that's where, uh, you know, uh, you introduced yourself and was glad to meet you and, and find out about the important work that you were doing. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks so, so much, Richard. Uh, yeah. So really, this is really great to be here today. Thank you. Yeah. Well, one of the things that, um, depending on when this particular podcast is released in the month of June, uh, people who are watching or listening uh, may or may not yet know if this is the first, uh, then they'll find out in, uh, for the first time. But we're really focusing this podcast around several that we're doing for the month of June uh, under the theme of humility and honor, under the, the that banner, because uh, we really believe that uh based on the scriptures, based on the word of God, that really human thriving begins not with pride, but begins with humility. Human thriving begins in submission and yieldedness to the one who created us and the one who designed us, the one who knows us, and coming into alignment with what he says about us, what he says about um, the way he designed us, uh, so that we will, um, we have the greatest potential to thrive and the greatest potential as well to give him honor and glory. So uh, that is the, the way that we know. Um, we thrive. And I, I certainly lived for years and years in pride myself. I certainly lived as one who comes out of the LGBT community, as one who uh, fully lived as a, as a gay man for a period of time and fresh out of uh, Bible college and, you know, my, my Christian upbringing and coming to a place of just feeling like, I finally found my people. I finally coming into the to, into the LGBT world and my first gay bar um, was really euphoric for a period of time, but it didn't take all that long. I mean, it it I really felt pretty quickly drawn in and um, uh, caught up in that whole world, but it didn't take long before I began to feel this kind of deterioration of my soul, and yet I wasn't even recognizing where that was coming from until much later. So, um, yeah. but, so these, these issues with LGBT, these issues with um, June being Pride Month and all of that, I'm not just sitting back as, you know, um, making assessment or uh, just kind of giving my opinion. I mean, I lived in that world. My wife lived in that world as well as a, um, as a woman who identified as a lesbian. And so, uh, but God is still in the business of transforming lives. But again, that path leads through uh, this doorway, this gateway, this narrow way of humility mm-hmm. and honor and submission to him. So I, I would mm-hmm. love uh, Richard for you to comment on that. And then we'll, um, I'll take a little bit of time and would love to hear from you on, on your story. But just on that theme, of humility and honor. What are your thoughts on that, Richard? Well, sure. For me, being involved in this is recognizing that God's design for family and family life Mm -hmm. uh, is is attacked, you know, first in the definition of marriage, then in the definition of identity in male and and female, and it, it won't stop there. Uh, until it leads right. uh, a wide path, more than than what we could even imagine right now, a wide path of destruction. I know that sounds, you know, really dramatic to say it that way. Uh, you know how how I came to all of this originally. I was I was raised in the church, and I, I would say, in many ways, my family had everything. Uh, so uh, you know, my my dad was a doctor, and my mom was an artist, mm-hmm. and. Uh, 
you know they just they just had the the greatest you know public life uh, but they they were divorced mm. and, and through that uh, I didn't have a father in the home and so I was allowed to run the streets free and uh, you know I found many collaborators in that is that there was many people just like me yep uh, and uh, what happened eventually to me, although that you know I, I would be in church, uh, I missed the point about uh, salvation and uh, miraculously, I, I you know I can't describe how I never heard the salvation message, <laughs> you know, and I just uh, you know I believe that God was there, I believe that He was real, but I was after my own desires, sure, and so that. That led to me getting you know, mixed up in everything that you can imagine, but you know, drugs and alcohol, and just a, a mission, a life mission to get what I can out of this world. And uh, so, I was uh, when I was 19, I was invited to uh, a Billy Graham crusade, mm. and it just so happened, you know, I was I was sort of bribed to get there. I, I didn't have any money. And, uh, so they agreed to, you know, to buy me a pack of cigarettes and, uh, and, and give me about $5, which would get me to the place I was going that night. <laughs> That's awesome. And, uh, you know, but I wanted to hear about, uh, the end times, the mm. end of the world, you know, cause I really, you know, it was just, even though I thought that was neat, I, I also just felt like things, you know, were not working out. So I was, I was in a real bad place, mm. uh, you know, and, uh, and that's where that, that, you know, I, I made the altar call there and, uh, and in an instant, uh, you know, what I remember very clearly to this day is that, uh, you know, I was, uh, I left my seats. I was sitting way up in the 600 section of mm -hmm. uh, three river stadium, uh, which is no longer there, but it was it was bigger than than uh, Heinz Field and uh, and PNC Park. If anybody mm -hmm. knows, listening, uh, you know where Pittsburgh is. Mm -hmm. You know those were this was a huge stadium, and I left the people I was with. I went down there, and and they they prayed over me, and and, and I remember just in an instant, my mind like a like a snap of a finger had changed mm -hmm. from believing I had the right way. To believe, to knowing that what I had in mind had nothing to do with God, mm. and and it was it was wrong, mm. and uh, you know I left there. It, it took years for for the direction of my life to change, but that that moment never left me. Yeah, and 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 hearing that clearly, you know what I began to 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 recognize is the leading of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and and accepting that uh, dramatically, dramatically changed the course of my life. Hmm. Uh, and I was eventually invited back into to family life in a church. I had people who who would nurture and care about me. Now, you know, I, I have I have my family, you know, but uh, you know, these would be people who you know nurtured me me in faith and in in really following what God had. Uh, as a purpose and a plan for me. And uh, I've never seen anything more powerful happen in someone's mind as what I experienced. Hmm. And so later on, I become a counselor. And, and uh, you know, before I was a counselor uh, in this environment that I lived in, which I, you know, which I'd refer to the, as the Battle of Suburbia, 
where people were dying and giving their lives away, selling their lives uh, and things, you know, just to me that to this day, I, I just feel are so sad. Um, you know, I, I was a counselor in all that. I listened to people, I cared about them mm-hmm. and, and I wanted to understand, you know, why these things were happening to people and, and how that could all be turned around. And I found that in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and again, like, you know, I, I, I'm academically trained. You know, I have a Ph.D. in, in, in uh, counseling and, uh, you know, I study all the research. And I found that in faith, you know, I, I knew this to, to be uh, the path. And, and, you know, in everything that you know, points to that, even science would tell me that this is, um, this is the way to go. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so, so all of that, and now I, uh, I'm a Christian counselor and I would not want to give somebody something else, you know, and psychology has a lot of exploitive stuff in it that, mm-hmm. It makes no sense at all. <laughs> you know, it's just there to be, you know, find people who are vulnerable. And um, I know that sounds sort of cynical, me being a counselor myself, but I'd say we have a history. Well, you see it. I mean, you got a front row seat. Yeah. Yeah. We, we sell people stuff in instances where they're in, in, in deep need uh, only to get for ourselves. Mm. And, uh, and so I, I saw life in this family uh, and, and being discipled in that as a, a chance to find uh, true purpose, true meaning, uh, and uh, a place where you could build true relationships. And, um, you know, and I say that to, to glorify God. I, I, I do not believe in this fallen world that outside of that, that is wholly possible. Right. Uh, and that... You know, we will struggle in this world. We'll face a lot of things. Things will not be perfect. And, and you know, uh, being a believer does not guarantee you a great life. Right. Uh, but it is the way, you know, with mm-hmm. whatever you struggle with. And as a counselor, I want to walk alongside people in a Christ-led process in a confusing time for people who struggle in their minds and their hearts to, to help them see that. Yep. Uh, and use the best of what is clinical to... You know, to aid in that, you know, as we as we study how to how to do those things. But I believe that that kind of desire and that kind of work began in the church, and it will end with the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, when people need help, you know, with uh, same sex attraction, addiction, their marriage, you yep. know, a depression, whatever, they need to go that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you know, so that's that's what my work has been about for the last twenty five years. And, uh, you know, that took me to Portland where we met and, uh, you know, we, we will go around the world on that. Yeah, no, it's great. Really is. And, uh, I mean, it reminds me as you're just, as you were kind of wrapping up there, I'm thinking of what, uh, you know, when Jesus turned to his disciples after so many were upset by what he was communicating, uh, and, and they all laughed, they abandoned, uh, him and they had once seemed like they were with, they were with him and he turned to his disciples and said, are you going to leave as well? And, and, you know, the response, I think it was Peter, the response was, um, where else would we go? You're the one who has the words of life. And so, the the reality of the need for 
this is something my wife Melissa, uh, as a as a licensed counselor, also gets um, you know frustrated by, and as a passion of her heart, is the the lack of of integration of. Um, uh, spiritual principles, um, Christian principles within the context of uh, counseling, even for those who call themselves Christian counselors. Um, yeah. You know, we have to make a distinction between people who refer to themselves as Christians and maybe, but yet they don't counsel Christianly. They don't counsel in a Christian manner. They're not even offering that. Um, and it's not that it's by no means would Melissa or I'm sure you would, none of us would say, oh, we have to, we're going to push our beliefs down someone's throat. Of course, that's not what, what we're talking about. But the idea that even Christians don't know how to assess for uh, the spiritual um, uh, thoughts or uh, perspective of the client and and give them the opportunity to to receive um, more of a Christian focus if that's where if that's where they're coming from and the opportunity to be prayed for uh, as part of their um, you know their weekly time or whatever with the counselor. I mean, it's just incredible to to ignore all that's Christian and only focus on um, you know kind of secular counseling models. Yeah, you know, and with the theme of, of humility, and I could give a whole dissertation on this, but in short, I would say that it's it's too humbling uh, for the clinical community in its present form. And I, I think this starts with Sigmund Freud and the puffing of the cigar and saying, like, look, I'm, I'm this guru who is going to, you know, be the answer. Yeah. And, and, and what I do in this psychotherapy is, is powerful. It's me. Mm doing this intervention to you the power is coming from me and in christian counseling mm-hmm. we we acknowledge the truth that you know god has a a design for people to be helped in relationship but the power uh that changes and transforms is from the holy spirit yes it's from god it does not reside you know or, or, or it's not controlled by the person mm-hmm. it's not for us to give it's 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 God who wills it and 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 makes that possible. And if we choose anything good, it's it's because God gave us the power to choose that. Yeah. Uh, and so all of those things, those are true differences. Mm-hmm. You know, learning that in life, uh, and and learning that in the midst of a, of a struggle, even uh, along with everything else. Mm-hmm. You know that uh, with anything that's as deep as faith, the secular counseling movement is going to ignore. Yes. Because they are looking for something else. Yeah. And that is that is the, the main building block of every recovery from what is going on in your mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, like like no other endeavor, you know, if you're if you're dealing with something that's emotional, uh, you know, you you need to go to the heart. And that's yep. the Christians who are going to to lead you straight there because they understand that. That's yep. that's God's design. Absolutely. So, so yeah, I, you know, I'm really passionate about that, and you know, wouldn't go to secular counselor. You know, sorry about that, folks. I want to train um, the the lay people of the church to be great counselors. Yes. And uh, uh, the professional counselors were first. Maybe you know, we're an easy point of contact for people. That's our function. But eventually, the people will live a life of of transparency, uh, have many counselors around them, and, and and that would be the people that they disciple with in the church. Yep, absolutely. Well, Richard, the um, 
in, in keeping with really what we're talking about today, and you you brought up humility as well from from that kind of counseling perspective in contrast of where where a counselor may view themselves as having the answers and, and kind of feels like, you know, they're the one disseminating healing or whatever, as opposed to a Christian worldview perspective. And but to to kind of transition a little bit over to the focus of um, sexual brokenness or um, the contrast of that being sexual wholeness, relational wholeness. Mm-hmm relational brokenness uh the the perspective of um you know identity and uh the confusion in our world regarding uh not just identity but well gender identity the idea that gender is something that's separate from from our biological sex and that kind of thing um you know what are your thoughts about some of the origins that have um have really promoted a something that used to be used to have um, some some a sense of guilt uh, associated with it, a sense of wrongdoing associated with it, and now we've completely it's completely flipped on its head to become one of the most celebrated um, uh, areas. You know, anyone who comes out as you know part of the LGBTQIA plus um, acronym is considered to be brave and courageous, and, um, and and there's just a lot of again pride surrounding that. What are some of your thoughts about how that how that transition happened over time. It's amazing to me how, how you, know, you know, we've moved from uh, in the 70s, uh, you know, until now. And, uh, you know, one of the, um, the there, one of the articles that I, I would reference, uh, there's a, a Gallup poll uh, that was done. Uh, and uh, in general, it said, um, Identifying LGBT is up seven percent, but if you look at the generations, you know, starting with uh, people who were born before 1946, who you mm-hmm. know, 0.8% would identify as LGBT, and then basically every generation that identification has doubled mm-hmm. uh, until we get to Generation Z, those born between uh, 97 and 2003, 20. Point eight percent will identify with the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. So one in every five persons. Yeah. So how do you get there? You know, so if you're going to say like I believe in evolution, you know, this is a it's impossible. Yeah, you know, so there's this argument out there that says you know you, I'm, I'm born this way. But there's no indicator that would, you know, explain this away other than, you know, this belongs to social influence. And so if I was to take this from a, from a scientific viewpoint, you know, the best studies of, of, of social psychology w- would show us that when you get, have leaders who get up in front of groups of people, they're going to conform. And even in ridiculous ways. You know, and so, you know, you have a way to explain what, what happened in World War II Germany, uh, where the church went along with, with the Nazis right. and, and persecuted the, the Jewish people and, and millions of people die uh, horrifically. Hmm. And, and people watched it, participated in it, because this is the right thing to do. And so you have an explanation. You have history that shows you these kinds of things, and you know I, I I see really you know we're we're to a place now uh, where you know Target and Kohl's are in tr- you know supposedly in trouble. There's there, we're we're going to see what happens with them. Yeah. 
But there are some parents out there that just cannot abandon the protective instinct where they're being told to raise their child gender neutral and put a, a you know, a onesie on them that mm-hmm. identifies them with the LGBT community. Yep. They're, they're very clear uh, of the social influence that goes on with when you're in a vulnerable state. And so, you know, we, we have this kind of thing going on in school, you know, in all types of media, you know, from our doctors. Uh, and uh, there's people who, uh, there's this term is the, the downward spiral of silence. Uh, you know, that people have, have backed away for whatever reason. I, you know, I could be discredited. I could lose my license. Uh, I, I could uh, uh, get sued. And they're not going to say anything. Right. And so now the voices of society are, are, are entering in. And I don't think this explanation really matters to, to people. You know, but that, that I think is, is the clear you know, indicator is it's very hard to stand up against this. And you're seeing generation after generation, people are being pulled into this. Yes. And we used to make this in our, in our work with the church, you know, back when it was you know, debating whether homosexuality should be, be right or wrong, mm-hmm. you know, into a very short time period where we have footage of uh, drag queens being brought into the church and, and doing the children's word, which is in the Methodist church, uh, you bring uh, the kids who are below five years old and you let them sit on the altar right? and uh, and you present a little message to them. Well, the, you know, the churches are, are bringing a drag queen forward and saying, maybe you were born this way. Yeah. Maybe this is God's desire for you and, and, and this is who I am. Very damaging. Right. You know, very coercive, very abusive. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say that professionally, that we used to, to, you know, call influencing children in a sexual way was, was pedophilia. Right. You know, but I know that in, in history, there's been cultures that have thought that pedophilia was right and it was condoned, mm-hmm. at least for the powerful and, and, and the wealthy. You know, so... Uh, so we see these damaging trends, and uh, and it's hard to stand up against. You know, maybe a, a more difficult argument would be the spiritual one. Hmm. You know, why why have we come here? And um, uh, I'm trained in the Bible, you know, but I'll, I'll talk about this in generalities. That the mm-hmm. Old Testament shows us that when the people of Israel, God's people, moved into areas where there were foreign gods. They, they wanted what these gods would promise when they saw agriculturally that these, these societies were effective. Yep. And so you had, you had Baal and you had Ashtira and, and, and finally you had the, the son of, of those mm-hmm. two gods, which, were, which was Malek. And Malek required child sacrifice. Mm. Yep. Uh, you'd place, you'd place your, your child on the altar and the Bible says, you know, do not you know let your children pass through the fire, and and uh, that was that they they would they would uh, put their children on the altar to be burned. Yep. And not only did did the people of Israel in, engage in that, uh, but the uh, the kings and queens, the leaders of Israel, would engage in it, kill their own children. Mm-hmm. The point has been made by some Bible scholars that we're not much different. Uh, when we passed in 1973, uh, that, that abortion, you know, is, is accessible for anybody. Right. 
that you know for success, just the same as the people of Israel did uh, when when they when they sacrificed on the altar of Molech, that we would sacrifice our children so that we could be wealthy, that we could have jobs, that our our social lives wouldn't be disrupted. Uh, and then around the altar of Molech was uh, the temple prostitutes, uh, where people would engage in sexuality, immoral sexuality of every kind, mm-hmm. um, to please Baal. Uh, and so uh, there was this, you know, there was this thought that if you know Molech was calling you to to make these sexual sacrifices. Uh, and if it pleased the gods, then they would have sex, uh, and that would result in in good harvest. Now we might look at that and say, "Wow, that's you know that's crazy," mm-hmm. you know. But uh, we'll have plenty of people you know who will engage and be enticed into something other than God's design for marriage between a man and a woman. Uh, they'll desire. To be part of this this successful culture that will bear them the fruit of success, just like like Hollywood, just like the people that you see down the street who have the big houses, you know, every you know popular leader now, you know, will come before you, your teachers, your doctors, and say, if you're really <clears throat> going to live in this modern society, you need to do this. Mm-hmm. Now, from an adult, I can very easily reject that. I'm set in my ways. Uh, you know, and people are, uh, you know, who may be listening, uh, you know, who, who are, are not certain about this might say I'm closed-minded. You know, but I just, I've, I've learned things, you know, but when you're not fully formed yet, mm-hmm. you're a child, uh, you're open to every influence. And you also you're you're very you know afraid you know of not knowing the future not knowing how to make it you know these influences are are, are very decisive yeah uh, and uh, and I believe that they were back then too they were spiritual influences so so I, I think between social and spiritual these things come together they're very powerful they always have been. I think people do this on purpose, or, you know, uh, in our society, leaders who mm-hmm. want to gain power and favor. And I think the people do it inherently. Uh, they, they're just being driven this way. Mm-hmm. And the church's job has always been to counterbalance this uh, and to give people a path uh, to, to life. Mm-hmm. Uh, where what we're describing when you depart from these basic designs that God has given us that aren't right now considered modern, you know, this is the culture of death. Right. That that will occur. And and we see that very clearly uh, in, in every kind of statistic, you know, that, that we're departing from, from basic traditional values and now going to something that, that we did not know. and, And the results are not the same. No. So that I, I hope is is a you know those those are the two things I focus on. Right. Uh, I, I know that when I make these arguments in in, in this in this worldview, you know, uh, in the society, we don't name our gods. So the spiritual argument sounds flimsy because we don't have Malak, uh, and you really have to you know to look to say no, we we still have gods in this society, yes. sacred cows, yes, that will sacrifice anything to, including our children. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and socially, uh, you know, that peer pressure is still as alive and well as it ever has been. You know, and if you don't have deeper roots, uh, you you know will be pulled up and brought along. Yeah. And that's happened generation after generation. And I believe that that's happening in this LGBT movement. Uh, good people, you, you know, if I could say it that way, uh, are getting coerced and it's becoming tougher and tougher to stand up against. Yeah. No, I, th- I mean, I really think that's true. And, and uh, it, it is becoming tough to stand up against it. it. It feels there's also this, you know, this ancient tactic of divide and conquer, right, as well. If people, if we feel like we're kind of off alone and we're going to be the only ones to stand up against it, or we see, I mean, part of the tactic too is that we'll make a, um, a um, an example out of somebody who does stand up against it or does stand for righteousness or does. And, and, and the point isn't that we as Christians, obviously we don't want to be Westboro Baptist. We don't want to be these people who frankly are, are such horrendous representations of what they claim to represent in Christianity. They're not, there's no love, there's no compassion, there's no grace. There's just, uh, well, really it's a vile, um, uh, uh, angry kind of response that that uh, goes by the name of Christianity, but certainly doesn't seem to have any of the real um, markers of mercy and compassion. Uh, <clears throat> and so, certainly, we're not talking about uh, the idea of of um, uh, we we don't want to do harm, you know, to anyone at all. Um, but we do want people to know what is the truth. I mean, what is, uh, you know, either we have a creator who, um, has made us as, uh, those who bear his image, according to Genesis 1, 26 and 27, uh, or we don't either, um, if, and obviously it, it be, this becomes more compelling if you believe that, uh, if you, if you follow evolution, if you don't believe that there is a God, um, or it's more of a, um, an eclectic amalgamation of, uh, and which is to me one of the um, heights of pride is that I'm going to make a god in my own image and then bow down and worship it. Right? I mean that I'm going mm-hmm. to, and then this, of course, is what God mentions over and over again in the prophets, and uh, is that is that that's exactly what Israel did is they traded. Uh, Romans one talks about this this idea of. Um, exchanging the glory of God for that, for animals, you know, for, um, for beasts and for, um, you know, uh, again, bowing down and worshiping other gods that are really no gods at all. They're, they're actually demonic forces of wickedness uh, behind those things. And, and so the, the idea though, of, of taking something, I remember uh, when I was um, going out to the to the gay clubs at a, at a club I used to work at uh, as a bartender, and I remember I, the only time I was ever there for the longest time was it, at night. It was of course everyone's you know goes out in in um, late night, and you know the lights are on outside, and the you know all these little twinkling white uh, lights everywhere, and just the atmosphere inside was a party atmosphere, a fun atmosphere, and all that. But I remember going um, by the uh, it, the bar was just in a place the club was in a place I just didn't go by very often. So the only time I went there was when I was working there or just going out uh, to hang out with friends or whatever. Again, again at night, and I I was there in the middle of the day driving by, and I actually stopped. I actually was so surprised at uh, the how ugly and um, and 
kind of just vile and uh, unattractive uh, the building was that I actually pulled my car over and stopped for a minute and looked at it and thought, I mean, I was still really messed up in my mind and my head and um, uh, very much just running by my emotions and, um, and, and turning away from God. But even then I looked at that and I thought, oh my goodness, like this is, there's something there's something analogous about how it's all dressed up to look so great. And then when you see the real thing, when you see it in the, in the light, um, it's really, um, an ugly, empty, hollow shell. And I feel like that is so much. And, and let me just also back up and say, this isn't, we're talking about LGBT. We're talking about pride month. Um, but pride is obviously not just, uh, you know, within the LGBT world, there's plenty of heterosexual, uh, uh, folks that are that are uh, living out, you know, pridefully. Many Christians are are doing that as well. And so this isn't yeah. about just shining a spotlight on the LGBT community. But in my in this instance, um, there's no other. I can't think of anything else. Maybe you can think of something. I can't think of any other. Um, clearly communicated area of sin that that really brings about the opposite of human flourishing that we have exalted into a place where we have pari- uh, parades around it where we um, where we've dubbed it as a, as pride we celebrate it I mean no one's out celebrating gossips or liars or thieves or um, or uh, you know, uh, those addicted to pornography or whatever, uh, no one's out celebrating that stuff. But somehow we've we've adopted this embrace, and I think it's because of the the way that it has been very craftily and um, and carefully uh, communicated as an identity issue. Um, because other areas of sin, other areas, you know, are not, are not considered identity issues, but this has somehow been, do you have thoughts around the, um, and, and I don't know if you do or not, but do you have thoughts around this concept of how this world has, LGBT world has managed to, um, to communicate to the point that the broader public, um, sees this, even many in the church see this as being an identity issue as opposed to, um, a brokenness or having its roots out actually in sin and rebellion against God. Yeah, you know, and I don't know if this is, you know, certainly it's not original thought. Uh, however, I, the uh, the critical race theory uh, mm. that is, is really couched in, in neo-communism yep. that, that divides, and, and it, it does so artfully, you know, in that yeah. – uh, it gives people a pathway to say, you know, if only you know you can take up this cause, you will get everything that you've been desiring, and so uh, you know your identity is, you know, has been, uh, you know, you become an object of oppression, and here's the enemy, you know, mm-hmm. the oppressors, and these people who are traditional, uh, who are of, of families, they're against you. And so the the people who are struggling, who can identify with with one of these sectors of society now and can call themselves minorities, are are, are uh, invigorated and 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 used as pawns. Mm-hmm. Uh, in uh, and you know I've been in meetings where 
those very people who were who were supposed to be oppressed have then been preyed upon by by other people who are in stronger minorities. Yes, uh, and uh, you know, and that's always the end game that we're we're not even to in this in this push. Uh, so I, I really just uh, you know see that uh, as as a very you know prideful thing by people in power who are teaching people how to embrace power uh, and, and cause power movements to overtake uh, what will become you know not modern the cause for every societal ill the cause for your pain are these people over here who in freedom want to live uh, traditional lives. Mm-hmm. And that's always the way the way that it's happened. And so, you know, I just, you know, God's design is for us to live in families. And, you know, you can struggle with a desire, you know, that, that's sexual, you know, or any appetite or just any human desire. Right. And, and it can work against the family. And, and you can feel on the outside of that. Yeah, but uh, what God has designed is is also part of experiencing joy and blessing, mm-hmm. and that's what we're all after. But we have to humble ourselves. That there's no new design known to man that outdoes that, right? Or replaces it, and we have to make a choice. And 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 if we do, you know, we can have life. And and that that for me. Uh, is what I want to strike as, as a middle ground. And, you know, uh, having experienced, uh, you know, in the past with the LGBT community, and, and you have an expertise in that, uh, I think sometimes people can make the argument, well, you know, you, you, you can't relate to me or hmm. you can't see what I'm seeing. I've always related to the people that I serve here is that we all experience pain and sometimes it's overwhelming. And we all experience desire that we want fulfilled in the way that we want it fulfilled. Yes. Uh, and, and humility means you know, giving that up uh, for what God has for us and being satisfied in that and, and trusting it, knowing. And we're in a place in society, it's really tentative in that, that there's a lot of people who say, you know what? I just don't believe in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the only way back you know, for, for us the in my mind, is through family, through the commitments that we make together that are permanent commitments. And so where, where this got lost for me was uh, I watched my, uh, my mom and my dad say, you know, it's right for us to, to say goodbye, to break this commitment mm. because we want to. Right. And, and in adulthood, you know, I started to recognize there's things that I wanted. Mm-hmm. And then you know, in all of these these uh, groups that get exploited, including the LGBT community, the world is telling them you should get what you want and desire. That's what your life should be about, right? And and in many ways, you know, I think good counselors can come out of this movement. You know, and I, I don't talk about it a lot. You know, but uh, that's what's talked about in Ecclesiastes with Solomon. You know, he went after every worldly desire, thinking that he would find something in it, and it was all puff of smoke. Yep. You know, it was all you know just vapor that you know turned into nothing. And and that's what I experienced. And and even to this day, that's the siren call. Is you know what you can have what you want the way that you want it, and then. Uh, 
I, I believe that we're fortunate when we recognize that there's the call of God uh, and that we have the freedom to choose. Mm-hmm. God gives us that freedom and, and we should re- respect that. And so I, I think the way that we survive between these groups too is that, you know, on the fringes of these uh, growing fringe, we want to take what we believe, jam it down somebody's throat, <laughs> you know, and I'm against that as a Christian. Right. I don't believe that that's the way it goes. And I hope that the other groups forsake that kind of choice. Right. Because it will only escalate into the mm-hmm. next. And I, I, th- I think you're beginning to see that uh, in our societies, we get more and more desperate. And so, you know, we invite people into family, mm-hmm. you know, where we have to put our desires to the side and sacrifice to make this work uh, and trust mm-hmm. that 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 will be life and how we continue and, and getting back to that. And to me, you know, spiritual family is the church you know, that we, we have to become experts in doing this by God's design. It's very humbling. We have to sometimes give up everything that we thought we wanted. Right. And I, I just think, you know, again, like this, uh, you know, if, if people will take that counsel, uh, I don't care what line of work, what lifestyle you're in, what desire you have deep down inside that you feel is irresistible, uh, you can find life. And, and like, I remember that story, you know, you tell, well, you know, we've, we've been in other meetings where you drive, drive past that, that building and it just, it's, it's like, it's like a, in ruins during the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it looks so nice during the night. Yep. I've, I've been to those same places. Yep. You know, many, many times, but but God was good to to show me that it was it was all rags compared mm-hmm. to to what He could offer. Well, and I think I was most struck by the idea of even then in in so much confusion of how does my life parallel this building? How does my life, um, you know, I'm, I'm out just trying to find whatever's going to meet my needs, whatever's going to fill me up, whatever's going to, um, satisfy this longing in the moment. And, you know, and, and in doing that, so much of my life was lived in darkness and shadow and, and deception and manipulation and whatever else. And not because I, not because I, I started off trying to live that way, but because it was kind of the natural result of, of what I was doing doing, um, over time. And I, I want to come back to, to what you were saying, Richard, about family. I mean, certainly we see the building block of, of how family was, um, a part of God's original design. We hear, uh, rightly so that God instituted marriage, uh, which is by the way, one of the reasons we have no business messing with marriage because God designed marriage, not the state. God designed marriage sure. be, to be between one man and one woman, one biological man and one biological woman. Uh, and, and we see, you know, the, um, uh, Jesus turning the water into wine at the, at the marriage in Cana. And we see the, and so we see marriage all throughout the scriptures, uh, this, this, uh, what's, what is forever been understood and known as marriage between one man and one woman. And then we also see the marriage supper of the lamb. I mean, the last, uh, the, throughout the Bible, it begins with marriage. It ends with marriage. Marriage is happening, you know, in the middle as well and throughout according to God's design. And now we've, you know, um, back in 2015, when SCOTUS, uh, Supreme courts changed, uh, the decision on what defines marriage, um, and, and, and opened that up to, something other than what the ancient boundaries had already had always established um 
it winds it, it it begs the question you know what what are we doing to uh, to marriage, according to God's design, what are we doing to the family? I mean, there's there's this idea that you know, oh, we have new kinds of families now, you know, and and whatever constitutes uh, you know loving people, polyamorous, um, polygamy, I mean, multiple partners, kids growing up with multiple moms and dads in the same home, all married to each other. I mean, it, 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 it we are, we are ex again, expanding, um, in, in, uh, what, what supposedly is called family. And, uh, and yet when we come back to the simplicity and the, and the glory of what God meant and God designed, that's where human th um, flourishing happens. That's where, uh, kids are, are well, established yes there's abuse that goes on in in heterosexual homes obviously that's true it's it the, we live in a sinful world it isn't but just because there's abuse that goes on there doesn't mean we open up the floodgates to every other um, possible iteration of what that could look like um, but coming back to what you were saying about family I was also struck by uh, the reality that I, I I believe you know to the single person listening to this podcast uh, to to the the person who uh, maybe has gone through a divorce that they didn't want and they had no choice ultimately in the end uh, their spouse divorced them even though they wanted to work on the marriage and 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 were committed to that sure. and here they find themselves and 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 I love what you you were you said what I wanted to say as well is yes we're talking about biological family certainly but we're also talking about spiritual family we're talking about this family of God that he instituted the church which is supposed to be um, amongst many other things, the bride of Christ, the the way in which God evangelizes and spreads the gospel throughout the world, but it also is supposed to be our second, it, not just supposed to be, it is our second chance at family. And yet, I think that um, that singles and those who are not yet married or have been in a divorce, they, they, they find some real challenges, I think, sometimes in the church in terms of really incorporating them in and not looking at singleness, especially those who have been called to celibacy for the purpose of the kingdom of God are kind of, you know, it's, it's singleness is often looked at as like a disease that needs to be fixed um, by the church. And I think that many times we sweep up people who really are, have a calling on their life uh, that's unique and, and special to be fully devoted. And I think we sometimes blow right past that um, as, as the church. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think of the church and, and what is happening there and, a quick thought is always that it was easy for me to recognize what family was because mm -hmm. even though my family was splintered into a, a million pieces and I, and I grieve that to this day uh, and, and my family members would, would hear this and shake their head, you, you know um, again, we had every, every resource made available to us and we were poor yeah. uh, in the end because our family was broken apart. Mm. But there were, there was many, many days where, you know, my, my dad would, would ride me along in the car and, uh, you know, he, he, he knew like a thousand hymns by heart. <laughs> he, would mm -hmm. sing, he would sing them and we'd have long car rides, you know, in the midst of terrible things. Like, you know, uh, I, I had to spend the weekends with him. I, you know, I was forced uh, mm. in, in my heart, you know, to do that as a little kid because it was visitation yeah he wasn't in the house anymore but he would he would sing and then they would and this is just one example uh they would get together with their friends and they would they would sing hymns and you know that might sound goofy you know to, to people nowadays but i'll tell you there was something about it in those times that touched my heart mm -hmm. in a way and gave me a hope 
and, and let me see the world as a place that could somehow work out. Mm. Uh, and, and again, it, it didn't mean that, that my life was perfect. At times it was painful, you know, yeah. like today. There's things that I have to struggle through. And, uh, you know, not everything is a vacation with pina coladas you know, on the beach. It is, uh, there's, there's, uh, there's just things that we have to bear. And, and I was taught that kind of hope. And I, and I came to know it is that that was the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. Yeah. And it, and it happened in those, in those family moments. And, uh, and, and that's what the church is challenged to be. And many times, uh, there's there's just severe damage there that we don't believe in, in marriage and God's design for family life and we don't we don't truly value it and we don't trust it you know to me a church sometimes wants to become part of the LGBT community right uh, and and believe that that is love uh, and uh, what I've come to know is that you know, having to be a part of a family and trusting that and doing what I, you know, giving up what I needed to give up taught me things like patience, forgiveness, uh, hope, uh, you know, all the things that I would need to do to nurture somebody whose life was completely messed up yeah. coming back to the church. You know, the safest place for them is within a family. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I've been many places, but in my teenage years, I was in places where you couldn't turn your backs on people right? You know, because you didn't know what was going to happen. But in a family, you know, in a, in, in a strong family, you know that you'll be taken care of. Yeah. And that's what we should want to achieve in, in, a, in a good society. And that's the church. That's what mm -hmm. we should strive for. We should know we should we should know that that will only be attained by glorifying God. Yeah trusting that his way is perfect and that following that, you know, broken and imperfect people can be brought to the point where they can see glimpses of that kind of place. And, yeah. and that, that is where uh, we'll experience joy and blessing. And so, you, you know, that, that's the kind of like, like my thought process is, yeah, you know, I, I'm talking to the person who's been divorced and remarried five times and is wondering what they believe. Right. <laughs> I'm talking to the single person who believes, you know, who, who might be, see their life right now and, and is contemplating being alone for the rest of their life. There is a place for you in that mm -hmm. family. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's, um, I'm also th thinking of how the reality is, is, uh, there's something, there's, there's something of God because we bear God's image, believers, unbelievers, that there's something about the way that a man bears the image of God and a woman bears the image of God that is of equal value. But I believe distinct aspects of his image in us is male and female. And the, um, and, and no matter where we've gone to, no matter what roads we've gone down, I mean, Jesus really modeled for us what it looked like for him to come along. You mentioned the person that's been married five times in, and, and, and here he goes out of his way to see the Samaritan woman 
and to communicate with her and to speak life to her and to reveal who he was more clearly up to that point than he had to anybody else. And, uh, you know, and, and the woman caught in the act of adultery, et cetera, that just on and on and on, Jesus models what it looks like to be available to people who humble themselves. I mean, that's the key thing, right? That I remember in the, back in the day when I was just, you know, reveling and in, in uh, party mode and um, just looking for, for fun and whatever else, but but I there was something inside that also felt the decay of what I was doing. You know, I didn't I wasn't sure what else to do exactly at the time. But I what I love about this this concept and theme of humility and honor is that I I when we have been just living into full out pride, when we have been living into pleasing ourselves and getting whatever it is that we need and filling up our emptiness in ways that God never designed us to, there there is a um a, a decay and a, an emptiness that makes us that, that can give us windows of opportunity to recognize God's call, to recognize there's got to be more to life than this. There's got to be more to life than just one more pride parade. There's got to be more to life than um, than demanding that people bow to my identity and and give me what I... There's got to be something more for what I was created for. And and honestly, the, I think the what God would desire is like, that's the church. That is, that is our family. That is a place that he wants to, to make into a a place that is safe. And of course, some churches are more safe than others, but finding, um, coming to a place of repentance and surrender. And of course, surrender does require humility and choosing that, you know what, I'm no longer going to, I've, I, my, I feel like I've so degraded my body and I've so defiled other people's bodies and, and my soul and the souls of others that coming to that awareness and recognizing I need Jesus, I need God in my life. Um, it doesn't, regardless of how far we've gone, um, the Lord is still with outstretched arms wanting to draw us into what is truly going to give us life and also to forgive us our sins sins and to cleanse us from all of that unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 9. So, you know, that idea of, uh, there to me, that's where the hope is. That, you know, people may be listening to this and be angry at what we're talking about or, you know, likely many are listening and and, and they might agree with where, you know, what we're talking about. But, but the reality of our need to embrace humility and honor, again, it is, it's, it, need, it extends far beyond uh, the LGBT community. It's in the heterosexual population. It is with Christians who harden their hearts and say, I'm, I don't care what I, what I've, the vows I've taken. I don't care what I know I'm supposed to do as a Christian. I'm going to do whatever I want and just ask for forgiveness for it later. And that is not the practice of humility or of honor of others, of God, or of ourselves. And so it doesn't lead to the kind of thriving that Jesus um, calls us into and invites us into in this abundant life that he promises to us. So absolutely, absolutely, and uh, many people now, as our culture becomes less and less churched, less and less rooted in, in Judeo Christian values, uh, they won't have these kinds of experiences that I talk about or, or that you talk about. Right, they'll be completely foreign, but people are still in pain, and they're you know you're being given these solutions. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, you know, let, let's, let's legalize drugs. You know, we can, we can give you drugs and they'll fill your mind and make you yeah. feel good, or we'll give you your heart's desire. I, I still believe at moments people are experiencing exactly what you talked about. 
that they've they've gone after everything that they've been told would would fill that place in their life and they're experiencing it as empty yes and that is uh, that is god you know being gracious to you and showing you uh that that there's another way but are we as the and, church i agree with you richard but are we as the church um, getting prepared to really receive those people. Are we, that, that to me is one of our, my biggest questions when it comes to the church. I love the church, but, but I feel like we are diddling around in our own addictions and our own, whether it's porn and masturbation or food issues or chemical issues or the pursuit of my career as a pastor or whatever else it is. Um, am I, are, is the Lord, are we really allowing the Lord to prepare us for the brokenness and the awareness that where, you know, so-called sexual freedom is not freedom. It winds up being enslavement and bondage. And when people realize yeah. that and they want, they're looking for real answers, the answers are in the church. The answers are with um, the scriptures and with those who have life in Christ. But are we really preparing the groundwork within our church to to receive that harvest is a, is a question that, that and it's yeah. the reason our ministry exists really is to equip and, and strengthen the church and help the church. Right. Well, I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, uh, Love and Truth Network, uh, Christian Counseling Associates. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're listening to this message and and, and it's bringing up anger and you're, you're saying like, I, I know there's things in my mind, but, uh, you know, I, I, I reject this. Or if you're, you know, if you're, uh, given your life to Christ, you're in the church, and you know that we're describing you to a T. Mm. Uh, you have contradictions. Uh, it, it is time uh, to humble yourself and admit yeah. it, and start working that out. You know, with a counselor, with with a trusted friend, with mm. both. You know that these resources are there, and if you're not ready to 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 be that, uh, the church will fail. Mm-hmm. And it will be agonizing, mm-hmm. and, and and the church has failed before in history, and and, and so I, I think that you know when we're seeing this kind of thing that these kinds of problems are doubling every generation. Right, there is definable problems within the church, and people really need to do some soul searching, mm-hmm. and, and start to have a willingness for honesty about themselves mm-hmm. wouldn't it be an amazing thing um and such a god thing and of course it's one of the reasons we're doing this podcast together and and focusing on um the opposite of of pride um humility and honor wouldn't it be an awesome thing to uh, for some listening to this podcast or maybe other you know other folks teaching similar things out there and and kind of delivering that for the month of june as a as an alternative a life-giving alternative you know to take what june is has sadly turned into if of pride month and and for people to actually wait to to for that to kind of boomerang on the enemy i love it when that happens uh and and people actually come to a place of of understanding that wait I've been I've been doing this for a long time. I've been embracing this whole identity thing and 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 demanding that people uh, jump on board and celebrate. And and I've been uh, pumping my fist at the concept of pride and building it up in myself. But you know, it's not gotten me anywhere. It's actually it's actually dwindled. Um, you know who I am. It's actually eroded uh, who I am, and it's eroded relationships around me. And this June, when it's supposed to be all about Pride Month, I'm going to embrace. 
uh, the opposite of that. I'm going to begin to open up to this possibility of humility and honor uh, as as Jesus has outlined it, as Jesus modeled for us and, and calls us into. I mean, that would just be, you know, honestly, frankly, an amazing thing. I hope God does that in some lives of, of people who are listening to this podcast and the and those. And one of the things I love too is when the Holy Spirit puts an idea on someone's heart, it's so amazing to see how oftentimes things will pop up and you're like, wait a minute, that that's, the, you know, the, the Lord kind of laid this on my heart and now he's, there's, you know, kind of popcorn experiences around the country and other parts of the world where he's doing something similar. Well, that would be our prayer right now would be that God during this month of June that has been really, um, uh, hijacked as Pride Month, uh, Lord, do something new. Do it. Do uh, bring people to a place of surrender and humility and honor God uh, once again. And we we hope that if this um, podcast has moved you, has touched you, that you will reach out and let us know. Um, and that mo- first and foremost, that you will find a, a biblical. Um, uh, church that is that is full of both um, truth, the truth of God's word, and founded on the truth of God's word, but also a place that is compassionate and loving, and and is going to walk alongside of you in your journey as well. So, Richard, I just appreciate your time with us today, and just bless you, and so thankful for both our friendship as well as just your amazing work in the kingdom of God. Thank you, Gary. Thanks for having me today. And uh, just just a blessing to spend this time with you. Thank you so much for joining us for this Love and Truth Network podcast. To listen to or watch future episodes, please check us out at loveandtruthnetwork.com forward slash podcast. Also, you can subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And we look forward to seeing you in a future episode.